It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 72 of the Night Talker. Scrapping our usual plans because I'm broadcasting from Big 12 Media Days at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Over the course of the hour, I'll be speaking with Kansas State head football coach Chris Kleiman, Texas Tech's Joey McGuire, recapping the day with Justin Wells and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas, and a mere seconds, it is a chat with Sooners wide receiver Drake Stoops. I am your host, Trey Elling. Give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave, and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. And we get right to the first of our conversations tonight with... Oklahoma Sooners wide receiver Drake Stoops. Drake, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, it's a, a, my pleasure, even though I do have to admit I'm a Longhorn fan. And, uh, you've uh, caused some torment in that Texas OU rivalry uh, over your time in Norman. It is a pleasure to speak with you right now. Just uh, how, how you feeling? We're obviously a month and a half uh, away from the football season getting going, and uh, this is kind of the unofficial kickoff of the season yep. uh, going through the media ringer here at Jerry World. Uh, you feeling pretty good about things right now? Yeah, I'm excited. Like you said, it, it's, it's about that time. I can feel it creeping up, you know, uh, media day and then fall camp soon. And then next thing you know, the season's here and, you know, it, it comes fast. It goes fast and then it comes back fast every single time. So I'm excited. What is something that you guys as an offense have really worked on this off season to ensure that we see some improvements from last year? Obviously, uh, your quarterback's health uh, was an issue for part of that time, and uh, when he was healthy, things looked much better. But what have you guys really uh, focused on this off season? Uh, really situational, situational football, you know, so being more efficient on third down and then especially fourth down as well. Um, so being good on first and second down sets you up to – to have a chance on, you know, third and fourth down. But, yeah, just situational football, third down especially. And, and in those situations, being just being more detailed and more poised. And from a wide, wide receiver perspective, you know, making sure you're getting the depth of your route, not speeding it up too much, uh, not bleeding in and out of routes, stuff like that. And then, you know, just being great across the board in those situationals. You've established yourself over time as somebody who's already a pretty darn good route runner. You understand how to find the soft spots and zones and how to get open. So what have you worked on individually this offseason? Uh, this offseason, I, I worked on mobility, um, especially in my upper body, allowing me to move more freely and more efficiently and, you know, to continue to try and improve my top end speed and, and not let people sit underneath my routes and try and, you know, push that and then even just you know selling body language and and the tops of my routes and and stuff like that that's interesting when people talk about improving mobility especially at a skill position like what you play they're normally talking about getting more fluidity through the hips or improving lower body strength but you're improving your mobility through upper body strength how are you doing so uh just by opening up my chest Uh, my shoulders are real rolled forward which has caused me to run kind of with my arms like sideways which was slowing me down because when you look at an olympic sprinter he runs very loose up top and his, his his arms are going forward not side to side and so loosening that up was going to help my top end speed a little bit and that's why I focused on that and of course I'm, I'm doing you know hip mobility and all that as right. well but I really wanted to try and open open my shoulders back up to to be able to move more efficiently yeah fluid hips of course are a key in sports and then also life too but right. uh, do you have a favorite upper body mobility exercise to help uh, keep that back from rolling forward uh, no, it's really about just strengthening like your lower traps in your back, which huh. pulls your shoulders back. So strengthening those and then just doing, uh, you know, stretching out your pecs and rolling them out and stuff like that. And just loosening that up and then strengthening your back to, to pull your shoulders back. So you're not so rolled forward and overdeveloped in, in your chest. 
How have you seen your coach, uh, Brent Venables, uh, improve what he is as a head coach from year one to year two? Mm. I think he's, I mean, he's bringing the same energy, the same passion, the same approach. So, I mean, I think he's a great coach last year, and he's still a great coach. So, I think he's just probably trying to help with the efficiency of everything, of running the program and, and you know, what's, uh, what's needed, what's not needed, keeping players fresh, keeping our mental fresh, giving us breaks when needed, stuff like that. And, I mean, I think he's doing a phenomenal job, and I'm very excited to see, see this team this season. I had the pleasure of speaking your da- uh, with your dad on more than one occasion. Is he doing okay right now? Yeah, he's doing well. He's living a good retired life. Uh, I know he coached the XFL, and that was a, a good gig for him. I know he had a lot of fun, and his team ended up winning it all, which was, was nice. Yeah. And so now he's just uh, taking time off, going on vacation, but he's doing very well. Playing a lot of golf, too, probably. A lot of huh? golf, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you get out there and uh, swing the sticks with yeah, the Yeah, I actually played last weekend. I uh, hit the links last weekend, and I played all right. I'm just okay. I don't have enough time to get real good just yet, but I, I like getting out there with my, my friends. Yeah, that's my problem with golf. Like, I can go out there and, and have fun, drive the golf carts oh, yeah. around, and swing, swing them around a little bit, but I, I am terrible. Yeah. It takes entirely too much time to get anywhere close to right. basic. Right, yeah, I'm know? no good. <laughs> I feel like going and playing football, like, once every six months yeah. and uh, feeling uh, feeling the stress of that, you know. It is a good time, though, you know, with your friends, being outside, all that. But. Yeah, no doubt about that. So, uh, as far as this upcoming season goes, um, the Oklahoma Sooners 2023 football season would be a success if what? Hmm. Be a success if what? I mean, if we just, I don't know, I mean, if we pull together as a team and uh, honestly just put our best foot forward every single game and be our, like be committed to the process and not the result and just, you know, continue to do our best to elevate ourselves individually and collectively and really become a cohesive team with all the new players we have. And, and it would also be a success if we uh, – handle situationals better and, and close out close games in the fourth quarter and yeah find find ways to win instead of find ways to lose because you know Oklahoma can't be Oklahoma so self-inflicted wounds are unacceptable mm. it'll be a failure of what it'll be a failure of what if we fail to do all the things that I just <laughs> said honestly yeah because <laughs> if you yeah and then ultimately you fail to do those things you're you're probably going to fail to win in, in a lot of close games and and you know we don't want to see that happen again I've asked uh, a lot of people this yesterday and it's going to be a, a very common question today everybody has at least one fear I fear unrealized dreams my wife feels uh, fears clowns what is your biggest fear like in terms you say unrealized dreams you mean like for myself or like just in general like what uh, for myself and for others, too, honestly. Yeah. I've got two young kids, so if they don't realize their dreams, I think that's a, a big fear of mine. But yeah. people have uh, more static fears, like my wife fears clowns. Yeah, I yeah. talked to Quinn Ewers yesterday. He's like, I fear sharks. I don't like being in oceans. Oh, yeah. Like, I hate I hate spiders. Spiders, I don't yeah. like spiders at all. They're yeah. creepy, and I don't like it at all. <laughs> so yeah. you, have, you, you have your boys or you have your girlfriend uh, killing spiders if you see one in the, uh, the No, nah, I'll the stomp apartment. a spider out, but, I mean, I, I definitely do not want to see it crawling anywhere near me. No, it I, has to die. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And uh, last question, Drake. What does it mean to be an Oklahoma Sooner? I mean, it means everything to me personally. Having grown up uh, here, seeing my dad coach, uh, I used to idolize all the players I've seen come through here. So, I mean, it means the world to me. And I'm very, very fortunate to have the opportunity and have the opportunity to contribute to such a 
like notorious program and I mean and such a being able to be on such a great team this year and, and, and be an integral part. I'm I'm very, very fortunate. So it definitely means the world to me and I'll never take it for granted. All right, I have one more question actually. What's your favorite Texas OU highlight? I think I know the answer here, but uh I mean there's so many, but I'll I'd ha- I have to be biased and say um catching that ball in the fourth overtime was of course. I mean that was that was amazing. Is that the biggest even, highlight of your career? Oh, f- yeah, yeah, for sure. In terms yeah. of the magnitude of that game and, and yeah, in that moment, definitely. That was such a crazy game, too, because yeah. that was that COVID year. Yeah. And the stadium was only a quarter full. But it felt full. Sounded full. It was wild. The energy in that building, yeah, felt full. So I've been to, I've been to like, almost 30 of those games in my lifetime. Yeah. And in those overtimes, because there was so much room in the stands, I was literally walking from one end of the field to Pacing. the other. <laughs> well, just, just to get to watch each team on, okay, on each yeah. side of the field. So I was going to the goal lines to see, and I was actually, for the first time in my life. Walking freely. Well, not just that, but I was in the Oklahoma end. Yeah. Because you guys scored in the Oklahoma end, right? Yeah. On that fourth touchdown. Yeah. yeah. So I was in the Oklahoma end on that for the first time in my life watching that game for so many years. Right. It was crushing. So uh, I guess thank you uh, thank you for the negative memory because <laughs> the, you got to have the negative to go with the positive. And, right. Uh, thank you so much for the time today, man. Best oh. of luck in the 2023 season. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Coming up, Texas Tech head football coach Joey McGuire here on the Night Talker. Proving good things do happen on the radio after 10 p.m. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling on 1027 ESPN and 1027ESPN.com. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back here at Big 12 Media Days. It is the second and final day here at AT AT&T Stadium here in Arlington. Of course, the Longhorns were yesterday, but still plenty of great conversations to be had today. Earlier, you heard from Drake Stoops, the Oklahoma wide receiver. Coming up in a little bit, it will be Kansas State head football coach Chris Kleiman. And at the end of the hour, I'm wrapping things up with Justin Wells and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com and the On Texas football youtube channel right now though i am joined by a guy whose team does have some expectations this year it is texas tech head football coach joey mcguire joey thank you for the time how you doing today doing good man this is this has been a great day and got to hear everybody yesterday so it's a lot of fun being here at media day it's getting closer and closer to football I know that's exciting each and every year, regardless of whether or not we're in the state of Texas. In terms of listening to other people speak, is there any one thing that you've heard so far that stands out to you? I actually sent Sark a text yesterday, and he's one guy that I really didn't know before us being, you know, head coaches in this conference. And I thought he did a really good job yesterday. I think Texas is going to be really good, and so I loved what he said and uh, a lot of stuff that I really believe in. He, he seems so player-centered. So I, I've heard great things to him. I didn't get to hear all of Gus, but heard he give me a sh- gave me a shout-out. We're, we're ex-high school or old high school coaches, and so that was really cool to listen to uh, the, the little bit that I talk, got to hear. 
So you guys are obviously dealing with a little bit more in the way of expectations uh, from your first year in Lubbock, and a lot of that has to do with the players on the field, their development, but also the coaching staff as well. And I assume that uh, you do not shy away from those expectations. You're happy that uh, more is expected in terms of what your team might be able to accomplish this year. No doubt. I'd rather be on this end than the other when people, you know, you had no expectations, you know, and, and so it's one of the deals that you have to as a coach. It's your job to make sure you get these guys to understand that the game's still played, you know, on Saturday it's still played on the field. But it's fun to be in the mix of, of people talking about you and, and expecting good things from you. And, and they should. You know, we have an older team. We've got 18 starters back from that bowl game in Houston. And our guys are working extremely hard. They, we have a very healthy locker room. Our guys care about each other. Um, they, they come to work every day, and you get to push them somewhere that I don't even know if they – thought they could get there and now they're starting to believe more and more and it's part of my job is to continue to culture that belief but also keep us humble keep us hungry knowing that we've got a really tough schedule and we've got some really good good teams that we've got to go play obviously having a healthy locker room not only involves bringing good guys in to begin with but also ensuring that you have proper team leadership there's only so much you can do as a head coach to foster that but what uh, can you do to actually help bring that whole process along making sure that you're growing your leaders and I learned this a long time ago not not being scared of somebody's voice you know sometimes coaches they don't understand the voice that a guy has in the locker room and sometimes they try to quiet that voice because they think they're going to say the wrong things realize this if they have a voice that voice isn't going away and so it's part of our job is to get guys more on the same page and we're all talking the same language and then the the other part is don't be scared for people to ask you why i had a coach one time say we don't ask the head coach why and i said no 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 no. i want them to ask me why because i know why i know exactly why we're doing every single thing every single day from the day the season starts till the first day of off season and so i think whenever you invite that and the kids see that and they see that you're doing it for the right reasons, then you've got a chance to create that leadership. And we do. We want a player-led team. It's my job to help them lead, help them lead in the right way. But we want a player-led team because they have the strongest voice. And having people who ask why is important so that they can understand the reason why you're asking them to do something too and you yeah. don't want a bunch of sheep on your team a bunch of sheep are people that uh, aren't going to be able to operate on their own given that opportunity and at some point these guys are going to have to make decisions on their own too no no doubt when you do that you also have quicker buy-in and you have stronger buy-in you know because whenever you tell somebody why you're doing it they have the opportunity to process you know is this really good for me? Is it uh, what I want to do? You've got a chance to get on board or not. And so uh, we invite that. I have a leadership council, and the first thing I tell them whenever we first meet for the very first time is I tell them I am not the head coach when we're in this meeting. We're all equals. I want you to be able to speak to me like you're speaking in the locker room. There's no way we can get to where we need to be if you're afraid to say something to me because we're in here and we're not speaking truthfully and so I think that's really important and uh, we're going to try to continue to do that and build this team into a championship team. So based on all that then what is a most important leadership quality? I think it's somebody 
that uh, puts the greater good in front of the team than themselves. You know, um, one thing that the guys, the, you know, whenever I talk to the program, they don't believe in leadership as far as like uh, lead by example. That's just being a good teammate. That's just doing your job. Leaders bring somebody with them. Leaders have influence. And so using that influence, knowing that something's bigger than yourself and, and you're using that to make the team better. This is a question I've been asking everybody over the last couple of days, Brett Yormark included. So I'm going to ask you now. Everybody fears something. I fear unrealized dreams. My wife fears clowns. What's your biggest fear? <laughs> I love what you said. I, I just don't want to look back and have regrets. You know, I fear that regret. And a lot of time that regret is not necessarily that you did something that wasn't successful, but that you didn't have the courage to try something that was maybe outside of your comfort zone. So I think a lot of that is one of my fears. You know, it's not healthy, but, you know, I do fear failure. That's a driving force. And then snakes. So I think those are the three things that are, are my fears. Fail, failure and snakes. That's a good yeah. one-two combo right there. Failure is important also. We don't strive for failure necessarily, but in order to fail, you have to take chances. And chances are how we grow. What is a failure from your life and the lesson that you took from that going forward? I was a head coach at 31. You know, I, I got my first head coach job at, at 2003. And Welcome. one of the biggest things that I had to do was trust and delegate. And I didn't do that early. You know, I tried to do too much. And one of the things that, that I learned and the one of the things that if you come into Texas Tech and you go, what's that guy's job? What's that guy's job? They're, every single person is an expert at something. They have one defining job that is their job. And I do not ask about it. They can have that closed loop of communication to tell me they got it done. But a lot of times that's your job do your job. And so I found letting people that are really good at stuff, identify them, put them in those positions and let them do their job. And I didn't do that early. And so that was one thing that I had to learn because I'm not good at a lot of things that other people are. And so what it was doing is was I wasn't good at that. And then it was taken away from the things that I am good at. And so it was kind of two ways of failure. That's such a valuable lesson for even the most competent young people too, because when you're young and you have all that energy, you want to prove that you yeah. can do everything. But even if you can in a given moment, it's impossible to sustain over time. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and so I, I think that's part of that growth. And it's something that we're trying to, you know, teach the, the guys. It's uh, one reason we just don't have team captains. We have a leadership council. There's more guys so they can lean on each other. And so I, I think that is, man, you put that perfect. It's a good example for young people to see, but also to grow. All right, last couple questions here. We're going to steer things clear back into football now. Uh -huh. I appreciate the generalized leadership conversation and failure conversation. Uh, fill in the blank for me here. It will be a successful season for Texas Tech in 2023 if blank. We're playing in this stadium in December for the Big 12 championship. It will be a failure if blank. 
my job is to win the Big 12. So if we're not here, man, it better be like TCU. And that was the one game that we lost, I guess. That's one thing. Another thing, you know, we we're kind of talking about fears and stuff like that. I hate missed opportunities. And you're going to. you got to be healthy. you got to be lucky. you got to have everything go the right way whenever you're talking about this. But we have a coach's retreat coming up. And one of the things that I'm going to talk about is missed opportunities and making sure that we're doing everything we're supposed to do to get these guys ready to play on Saturdays. Last question now. What do you love about Texas Tech? Here's what's crazy. I love the weather. Come on now. Say, man, but let I went say. there for a year and a half. There's no way you love the weather. But think about this, man. There's no humidity. And so one of my guys, he's one of my ops guys, he got married last year in Houston, and I walked off the plane, and it's like July 7th, and, man, I'm just, like, drenched. And I'm like, golly, man, it could be 100 degrees and at Tech, and it's like there's no humidity. The mornings and the evenings are absolutely the best whenever you're talking about the summers, May. We practice in the mornings. I think my strength staff gets tired of me always saying, golly, how beautiful is this morning just because of the weather. So I love the weather, love the people, love the food. So you're right about the weather. It is a dry heat, and that makes a big difference, especially when it's in the 90s and low hundreds. The exception to the weather, though, is when that wind is blowing the wrong direction. You can smell the slaughterhouses throughout the city. Well, I've been lucky. I don't think it's flipped that away. But you know what's crazy is I told somebody, uh, she works for uh, Learfield. She does a lot of video for them and everything. And she's a Texan, but she graduated from Ole Miss. And she got here in January. I told her, I said, just get ready. You'll appreciate this. You'll appreciate this. And if you're in April and the 1st of May, that wind's going to blow. I mean, there's no doubt that wind's going to blow. But if you turn around and I saw her at an event in June, and she goes, Coach, you were right. This weather's pretty awesome. That works to y'all's advantage once you get used to it, especially with those games in Jones Stadium, right? No doubt, no doubt. Well, he is Joey McGuire, head football coach at Texas Tech. Tech fans, I told you it was an incredible hire when it was made uh, a little bit more than a year ago, and he's done nothing to prove me wrong since. Joey, thank you so much for the time today, and best of luck with thanks. Thank you very much. Great seeing you. Coming up from Big 12 Media Days, it is a conversation with Kansas State head football coach Chris Kleiman, and we end things with a recap with Justin Wells and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back here on the Night Talker, live from Big 12 Media Days at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Already spoken with Oklahoma wide receiver Drake Stoops, Texas Tech head football coach Joey McGuire. Now I am joined by another head coach. This is a guy who just won his first Big 12 championship last year as they upset TCU in the championship game right here in this very stadium. It is K-State head coach Chris Kleiman. Chris, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I, uh, well, it's my pleasure, and uh, I am going to uh, humble brag for just a second because last year everybody was wondering who is going to be this year's Baylor because Baylor obviously jumps up in 21, surprises a lot of people, and folks had their opinions on things, and ultimately TCU was one of the correct answers, but the other correct answer was the Kansas State Wildcats, and I predicted that you guys were going to have a really good 22. Sure enough, you did, so... What's on tap for an encore here in 23? Well, um, you know, remain humble and uh, um, stay hungry. But uh, we had a really special season. Had really good football team, really good players that 
gelled and connected together uh, and we were able to win this thing on the road and that was the thing that probably impressed me the most is this was the year we had five games on the road in 2022 conference games and we won four of them and the one we lost was TCU and we played our tails off for a half um, but just couldn't close it out. So Well, not just that, but injuries were obviously yeah. a major issue for you there, yeah, too. Yeah, but, but you know what? Their injuries going to happen to everybody, and you got to yeah. be able to overcome them. And uh, we were able to do that, and uh, I just I, – I'm so excited about what we did, and now we had to flip the page. And we've talked about it all spring or all winter, all spring, all summer long, about not falling in love with ourselves, that uh, this is a new season, a new era, a new time, a new team. Um, but – we're also going to embrace what we did last year because what we did last year is going to help us through some of the adversity because of the experiences we had. Will Howard understandably uh, struggled his first year especially of having to play for you guys because Skylar Thompson ends up getting hurt and he's forced into action. And when that same thing happened in year two, you were starting to see those baby steps take mm-hmm. effect. And so it really wasn't surprising to us, who, those, uh, for those of us who were watching uh, game in and game out, uh, just how impressive he was throughout the course of last season. Obviously splitting time with Adrian at a certain point, but then he ends up taking the job for good and your team is no worse the wear for it. What has been the key in him really uh, meeting that expectation with what he's capable of at the quarterback position? A simple word, belief. Mm. And uh, I've always believed in him. I really have. Even through his tough times, he and I have had some really good conversations. And I remember talking to him in 2020 during the pandemic year, and he was a true freshman that had to play. And I said, Will, this, the, the trials and tribulations you're going through, you're going to come out on the other end of this thing. And uh, uh, you just keep punching the clock you keep doing what you're doing you keep um owning everything it's gonna it's gonna turn around for you 21 he had some struggles as well but i could see him and i see the light starting to click for him Uh, and i thought he had a tremendous fall camp in 2022 and we elected to go with adrian to start the season but i felt really good about two quarterbacks uh and I learned from my first few years there, you better have two, sometimes three quarterbacks in this league. Mm -hmm. And he gets hurt at TCU, and uh, Adrian does, and we throw Will in there. And I didn't think for a second that this kid wasn't going to come in and perform, and he did. And then he had one of the greatest performances at home against Oklahoma State, and and he gets carried off the field, and we win 48 to nothing or something. And I thought, nobody deserves that more than Will Howard um, because a lot of kids could have gone in the transfer portal when we brought Adrian Martinez aboard. He didn't. He said, no, I'm going to stick this out, and I believe in my ability, and I believe in in this program. And this program uh, is who took a chance on him and and scholarshiped him out of high school. And uh, I think the Best Will Howard is still yet to come, and I think we're going to see it this year. What do you think the best Will Howard looks like? Um, He's going to be a little bit more accurate and a little bit more decisive and getting the ball out quicker. Uh, That's the first thing, and he's worked on that, and he's watched, and he's studied. Um, He makes a lot of really good throws, um, but he can be more decisive and get the ball out quicker on time. Or say, you know what, it's – third and third and 10 and that curl route's going to be tight as heck at 13 yards i don't know if i can get it in but i can dump it off and get seven and get us to fourth and three and let's roll he's saying heck with it i'm going to keep the chains moving get us to fourth and three and have all bit of confidence that i'm going to say we're going for it and that's what really has changed and you know i you see the the big 12 especially i look at joey and i look at some of the guys like dave you're going for it on fourth down you're a four down team 
And that kid really um, played his best on third and fourth down for us this year. That's a big deal because there are a lot of guys who are good on first and second down, yeah. but uh, it's those pressure situations that uh, the, that's the nut cut crunching time, as, yep. they, as they like to say, and that's really what separates those who ultimately come out victorious and those who shrivel under the uh, the bright lights. Yeah, that's that's the difference in winning championships, is, and, and I'd look at that on both sides of the ball. Our third and fourth down efficiency um, was really good, uh, and, uh, you know, you're right. you got to be able to make those plays. On first and second down, you know, a lot of guys can make those. On third and fourth down, can you make the critical throw? Can you make the critical catch? Can you make the critical tackle? Whatever it may be. Um, and I thought our guys really excelled. But we worked that situation a lot. And I put those quarterbacks in, and Colin does, in pressure situations of, hey, it's third and 12, it's third and 15 as, as a sequence of a drive on a specific yard line of, you know what, you got to take your shot because we're at the 25 and we're going to punt it to, you know, we're around midfield, around the 40. Get us something so that we can keep the chains moving. Perhaps this is a foolish question because you've been at this game for a long time and been really good at it for a long time too, but Colin has obviously made a, a name for himself in Manhattan and in college football as a player, and now he's doing so as an OC. Have you learned something from him as an offensive play caller? I learn stuff from Colin Klein every day because of the man he is uh, and because of the leader he is. Not only the leader he is in his room of quarterbacks, which, you know, you look at the people that we've had in that room, it's always the healthiest room uh, as far as kids getting along relationships. And and then I saw the way he led the football team or led the offense this whole season. Um, But I think Colin is no different than Will. I think Colin is just scratching the surface Mm. of what he can become as an offensive coordinator. It was year one, really, for him. And we've all been there that have been coordinators or play callers of year one. What you learn, you have some ups and some downs. You have some great things. And he had a lot of great things. But I'm sure there's some things that Collins, Colin would kick himself saying, I need that back. Or I wish I, I'm glad I'm going to learn from this. And I'm excited to have both those two together for year two with uh, Colin in his first, his second full year calling it and Will running it. Is there a piece of advice that you've given him to try and help him evolve as an OC? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, this is your show. He's not saying, hey, coach, what do you want on this one? You're in charge, CK. Only thing he asked me is, are we in four-down territory? <laughs> you know, and I may throw something at him and say, hey, let's get Senate involved. Let's get... Uh, deuce involved something you know but uh no he's in charge and uh we've got a really good room on the offensive side we've got one of the best offensive line coaches in college football in connor riley uh that that's a reason why three six-year offensive linemen and cooper bb want to come back not go in the portal not go in the nfl they want to come and play for this guy in connor riley and so um we got a real healthy offense now you get all those offensive linemen back, you get your quarterback back, you have your coordinator for a second year. Uh, I think we'll be able to push the envelope a lot more schematically, game plans, and guys will be able to handle a lot more. Talked a couple of answers ago about Collins' leadership, the leadership in the quarterback room. You've obviously proven yourself as an adept leader of men over time with the various successes that you've had. What's the key to good leadership? Um, that you don't know everything. That you the answer uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that we don't. We always are learning. We're always growing. Um, you want opinions. Uh, we're a player-led team. Uh, you guys, any of those kids are here. Do you feel comfortable going to Coach Kleiman's office and saying, Coach, can we adjust something? Coach, can we try something? Coach, can we do this? Uh, I'm going to listen. Uh, sometimes we're going to implement it. Sometimes we're not. But I'm going to listen. Uh, as well as I want. 
I want opinions from our coaches. I want opinions from our staff. Uh, I, the buck stops with me. I, I know it. But I don't want to be the one that says, here's the only way to do things, guys, because I've evolved and changed a ton in my four going on five years at K-State. I've asked this question of everybody over the last couple of years, so you don't get a pass here. Everybody has at least one fear. My biggest fear is unrealized dreams. My wife's biggest fear is clowns. What's your biggest fear? Sharks. <laughs> you and Quinn Ewers are cut from the same cloth because he said the same thing to me. Yeah, well, we got a place down in Florida we go to all the time, and I'm always looking at I'm the one with the kids are in the water. I'm looking around, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if there's any sharks here or not. But the only thing you see on the, on the news all the time is shark attacks, and they probably are not happening a whole lot. But, hey, you see them, and they, they document them, so I always say, hey, guys, watch out. Well, there was actually a video from the Florida Panhandle, which my family vacations at from time to time, and the shark was literally like 20 feet off the shore. Wow. Which does not have you feeling good about the possibility of sharks in Florida. No, and I won't go take my ball out of a pond in in Florida if I see it at the edge because an alligator's coming. Absolutely not. (laughs) I mean, that's just common sense right there. Yeah. Uh, Golf balls can come and go. (laughs) All right, so we're going to end with a couple of football questions. Fill in the blank for me here. It will be a successful season for Kansas State football in 2023 if blank. We play our best week in and week out. It'll be a failure if blank. Um, we fall in love with ourselves and, and uh, um, think what we did last year is same thing going to happen this year. And what do you love about Kansas State? Kenny Lanou. <laughs> <laughs> the media the guy sitting right yeah, here. Exactly. The media. You know, no, I, I love the people we work with, you know, uh, our, our players, our support staff, uh, the fan base. Um, you come to a game and you've been there. Our students are involved. Uh, that doesn't happen everywhere. Uh, you go to a basketball game, they're at midcourt. You go to a football game, they're at the 50-yard line, and they're, they're passionate. And uh, uh, our whole fan base is. And that's what I love about K-State. He is Kansas State head football coach Chris Kleiman. Nice enough to join me for a few minutes here at Big 12 Media Days in Jerry World. Chris, thank you so much for the time today. Big fan of yours. Best of luck with things this season and into the future. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Coming up, I put a bow on Big 12 Media Days with Justin Wells and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of a Thursday edition of the Night Talker, broadcasting from day two of Big 12 Media Days at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington. And we finish our two days of coverage off with a recap with a couple of guys that I am very fond of, one of whom you hear every week on this show, the other that you may hear a little bit more of. He's cool with that once we get to football season. It is Justin Wells and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Fellas, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Yeah, I, I, Ian got a head start on me. This is my first day here because I was in St. Louis the last couple of days, and so I've had to piggyback off Ian. Let's start with the Longhorn side of things, guys. Ian, uh, what is your biggest takeaway from getting to Steve, uh, hear Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers, and the other Texas players talk yesterday? They all sound pretty confident. Now, Quinn is not really a natural in front of the camera, I think you would have to say. But he's, he's a pretty cool customer this, this year. I asked him a, a question about 
well, how come you and Xavier Worthy could never connect last year? And uh, he was just kind of, ah, well, you know, I just, I guess the adrenaline just got to me. I don't know. He has a, he has a certain confidence and coolness around him. Would you say as well, Justin? Absolutely. Quinn's an introvert. Yeah. And so his presence is louder than his mouth. Yeah, although we got a we we got some quotes from some of the players that said his mouth has been uh, speaking up this off season. So, and Sarkeesian, I mean, everybody was talking. You know, Texas preseason number one for the first time since I think someone said two thousand nine was the last time that the writers here picked mm. Texas number one preseason. He was not shying away from any of it. He was like, "Yeah, we're, we should be good. Quinn should be a first round pick if he plays well." I think that's a fair statement. I think all Longhorn fans should want Quinn Ewers to be a first-round pick next year because if that happens, it means that they've had a, a really season. good season. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, and, and that, that means the trajectory is continuing up. Exactly. The buy-in is, is even amplified that much more. The culture's that much more, and with that comes the recruiting. After a top-five class and a top-three class, then that class starts to build. Quinn, Quinn, Quinn has, has always been a quietly confident kid since, since South Lake Carroll. Not mm-hmm. very vocal, but I love what, what Ian and Joe have been talking about when, you know, with Jordan Winnington saying, look, you know, he's, he's speaking up now. He's a leader, and, and he's asserting himself. He's pulling himself out of his comfort zone. And for a kid that may be playing in the NFL in 12 months, that needs to happen. I have not heard as much about what the defensive guys had to say. Did you hear anything specific from either Jalen or Jade? I talked to Jade a little bit the other day. He t- talked about moving to Star last year. Uh, coach told him that build your all-around skill set, and that'll help you create value for yourself for the NFL, I assume. Uh, certainly for getting on the field at Texas. And uh, he told a story about uh, playing TCU last year. And he said that Terry Joseph pulled him aside like an hour before they walked out to the stadium and was like, hey, let's, I want to show you something. And he showed him this uh, swing screen to the running back that Oklahoma State had run successfully against Texas. And he's like, I guarantee you we're going to see this at least once from TCU. And so they went over and they talked about it. And then uh, TCU ran it. He sniffed it out. He beat the block. He tackled the running back for like a four-yard loss. I gifted on uh, Twitter. You can go find it or read about it. You could tell that there's a lot of confidence and, and trust with those guys, and it sounds like with Terry Joseph. Jalen Ford, you know, obviously wasn't here, is a man of very few words. He has been raised well. He, his mother, Miss Yolanda Taylor, uh, she's actually from East Texas, Kilgore High School. Uh, she was a, a state champion in track, and so the athletic bloodlines are there, but he <laughs> is just one of the most well-rounded, uh, well-spoken kids you're going to meet, and he just doesn't say much. He lets his actions do all the talking. So are you still optimistic about this Texas football team? I'm with the consensus in thinking they're a clear preseason number one. Yeah. I'd say one of my question marks has just been, you know, Quinn has got to pull through. I don't know if he needs to be like 2008 Colt McCoy. Like that's probably not how it needs to look. But he needs to be, he needs to be very good. He needs to be a lot better than last year. I would say my confidence in that happening is up. Okay. Just from hearing how his teammates talk about him, seeing the sort of shape he's in. You know, he's not, like, huge, but he looks uh, as just well, – how would you put it earlier? He's, he's, uh, he's slimmed down in a good way. Quinn? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's streamlined. Streamlined. Yeah. That's, what, that's what it was. Yeah, he doesn't he, look slight of frame, but he's well, – He's always been a big kid. He's always yeah. been, you know, 6'2", six, six maybe almost 6'3". He's always yeah. been kind of a, a bigger kid, but he's lost a little bit of that baby fat, and he had For his sure. face. 
And you can tell the strategic diet and the the, the, the 100% trying to get better. Because this is a de facto contract year, in a sense, for him. It is. And people need to understand, because they, they he was ridiculed a ton for this. This plan for him to potentially be going to the NFL draft next year, that's why he skipped his senior year. It was to start the clock early. It yeah. wasn't about getting to college earlier and making money earlier. It was nothing about that. It was getting that NFL clock started a year quicker. And he had the ability to do it And with a good year this year. And coming back to this place uh, in December is a good chance that he's going to repeat that. It was a bit of a struggle for Xavier Worthy last year. At times, the passing attack probably leaned a little bit too heavily on him, considering that he didn't always seem to be in the game himself. We think we see a bounce-back campaign from Worthy in 23? I think he has that similar contract year motivation that Justin's yeah. talking about. He's talking about how he's been working with the Jugs machine, just spitting out footballs at him to work on his hands. He acknowledged that um, bringing down contested catches and making consistent use of his hands was a was a flaw in his game last year. And, it's and going back to his first year, too, by the way, he had a lot of drops in year one that was just overshadowed by a lot of catches, a lot of yards, and touchdowns. Yeah, but he still led the conference in drops, I believe, too. Did he really? I didn't even remember. He was truly overshadowed. Um, his ball tracking, I, I wish I had asked him about that. I'd say his ball tracking on deep throws is, is maybe another potential weak spot. He had one against Oklahoma State where Quinn, Quinn hit him right on the line. And uh, Xavier kind of like paused and, you know, do you guys remember that play? It was like a corner route to the end zone. Yeah. And then he just fluffed it. Um, but I think he's, he knows what's at stake here. He's putting in, sounds like, much better work than he has in the past to maximize. The biggest thing for me with Worthy is getting away from bracket coverage. And I think this year's offense is, is going to be strong enough to where teams aren't going to be able to do that as much as they did last year. Yeah. You're not going to have that safety cheating over constantly because if you do, you're, you're literally giving up the other side of the field where Jatavian Sanders can add to a single-season record of catches last year at the tight end position, where A.D. Mitchell, who has become unguardable this summer during seven-on-seven -seven workouts, and not to mention the fact you got a Jonte Cook, a Ryan Niblett, and a DeAndre Moore, a, a, a more refined Quinn Ewers at the end of the day, I think that bra less of that bracket coverage, because it's not only a you know pain in the butt, it's also frustrating. You get during in games. And so uh, if, if they can get away from that more, I think that helps Worthy tremendously. All right, last question now, guys, because we chew through 12 minutes really quickly when the three of us are talking. You've heard all these other teams speak, so uh, Ian, we're going to start with you here. Uh, do you agree with the consensus, since you uh, are also a believer that Texas is the best team in the conference, do you agree with the consensus that Kansas State is the second best team in the Big 12 right now? No. I like, uh, I like the fighting Joey McGuire's out in Lubbock. Um, Speaking of impressive people to speak with, yeah, I like that guy a lot. Texas fans really hate him right now because of that viral uh, – uh, locker room speech after the game, and I mean he's he's got a reputation as just being, you know, stab you with a pencil like John Wick, whatever he's got to do to beat you, kind of guy. <laughs> um, but he's had a lot of success with that strategy. He's uh, I mean that's the that's a guy you want coaching your team yeah. within reason, and he's, uh, <laughs> he's the he's, DFW version of Jeff Trailer. Yeah, to, to a T. Exactly. He's had those kids like I I loved. His initial hires, I was bullish on McGuire at Tech, 
but I did not think they would be very good in year one. Mm. And he got those kids playing really hard and effective and smart immediately. And like a year two, I just think, I think him and that staff are going to have them make a leap, another leap. He's an incredible relationships guy, which is one of the reasons why I felt like he had a chance to be really good at Tech. Justin, second best team in the Big 12. Second best team in the Big 12. I guess I should ask you, do you think Texas is the best team in the Big 12? I do. I okay, do. second and, best team. And, and what's funny is I've done this for – I've covered this event 10, 11 years now, and this was the first year I've ever picked Texas to win the Big 12 mm. because the first year I actually thought they, they had a legitimate shot. The second team <sighs> – what about a team that nobody's talking about? Like Kansas State, to me, lost some guys. Mm-hmm. TCU really lost some guys. Texas Tech seems to be kind of the trendy pick. What about Kansas? If Jalen Daniels is healthy, we're, you're talking about a different team. And I know people, you know, they, 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 they hear this and they, they, they make a face. But people, I'm telling you, Kansas might be a pretty good team. Their defense was so much better last year. And if Jalen Daniels is healthy the whole year, there's no telling what they'd have finished. Daniels can't be the offensive player of the year and Kansas be in the bottom half of the conference. One of those two things has to (laughs) hit, right? Well well put. I think Justin's right. They have have to replace their entire defensive line from last year, Mm. which is, you know, their defensive line wasn't good last year. Right. So (laughs) maybe that's not – I I talked to Kevin Flaherty now and, again, uh, the most excited – enthusiastic guy covering Kansas and football that there is in the world. And uh, he says they do like some of their young up-and-coming defensive linemen. They grab some guys in the portal. I don't feel confidence picking them, but I don't think Justin's crazy. I mean, if some of those, if one or two of those guys pans out and Jalen Daniels is healthy, but that team is not the same old Kansas. They are Ian Boyd and Justin Wells of Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. Guys, thank you so much for the time today. Man, you know it. Nothing but love, man. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow at 10. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the night and sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling.